We normally talk about the biggest headlines, but we're doing more of that in our next episode when we revert back to the once-a-week format. For your listening pleasure this week, we break down the top players at every single position. Is Brad Marchand a top 20 winger? Will Tuka Rass finally gain the respect they did not get on the top 10 last year? And which Bruins defenseman was named to the top 20? Oh, and uh, the Leafs have some good centers, so we'll break down the top 20 centers as well. Episode 135 is going to be fun. Hope you're ready. It starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. It is our Top Players episode. We'll get right into that. But first, as always, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? Uh, I am. But first, I want to mention how... uh, I like how you made that hook of, like, which Bruins defenseman uh, made yeah. it into the top 20. This isn't a Bruins-based podcast know, or anything, I right? I, I just like just, how you made that into a hook, like, people would care. Yeah, but okay. yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a pro-Atlantic Division um, headline thingy. Yeah, yeah that's fine. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. You know, you're <laughs> so, uh, we're at question 24. Brad, are you ready? I am, yes. Okay, here it is. Which Jack Adams Award winner was named the NHL's top coach most often during his Hall of Fame career? A, Jacques Demers. B, Pat Burns. C, Pat Quinn. Or D, the legend Scotty Bowman. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Scotty Bowman. Final answer? Yeah, now you're making me nervous now, but yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I always get these wrong, so there's no harm, and now it's like, whatever, if I get it wrong or not. Yeah, I'm going with Scotty Bowman. Correct answer was Pat Burns. Uh. <laughs> I think he coached for Boston, though, didn't he? Uh, maybe, but I thought that Scotty, because he had the, like, the Red Wings, so I figured, like, I don't know. Well, I'm actually taking a look at his stats. So in 88-89, uh, he won the Jack Adams with the Canadians. Uh, in 92-93, uh, when Toronto went to the Western Conference Finals and lost uh, in seven games to Los Angeles, he won the Jack Adams that year too. In Boston in 97-98, he also won the Jack Adams before uh, winning it uh, for the last time in 2002-2003 with the Devils. So, actually, three of his four Jack Adams awards came with original 16s. That's interesting. That is interesting, yeah. Anyways, on to the top 20. And, Brett, uh, where are we starting off? Yeah, so we have, yeah, so the NHL, just to clue everyone in, the NHL.com has, we did this last year, too, but um, the NHL has this list of, they go by each position, and they rank the top 10 and the top 20 in each position. Um, although wingers, like, right, they don't do, like, left wingers or right wingers, but they put them together, and they do top 10 goalies, uh, which we'll get to. Last year, we uh, kind of went into, a like, a 20-minute rant on why Tuka Rash should be included. 
Um, and spoiler alert, he is included um, in this year's list. Um, so we thought we should do a, a, the same kind of thing and uh, go over all these lists and see uh, who is ranked too high, who is ranked too low, who did they omit. Um, we're not going to mention... we. There are top 20 in the wingers, centers, and defensemen. So we're not going to mention all of them, but we are going to um, um, say at least the top 10 for all of them. Um, or, I mean, at least the top five, at least, for goalies. Um, you know, half the list. Um, yeah. And then we'll, if there are snubs uh, that we feel like should be in the top 10, um but they were picked in the teens, then we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, so, yeah, so first we're going to start with the top ten goalies. Um, so the f- number one was Bobrovsky. Um, kind of makes sense. Holtby, Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, and Quick. Um, uh, for those wondering, Rask was picked eighth, um, so he did finally get on this list. Um, so... Um, any that were, I guess I'll, I'll show it to you, uh, any that were too high or any that were too low for you? Uh, well, what's interesting is that Brayden Holpe was ranked number two, which, you know, I guess, um, if you beat some regular season stats, I think that's way too high, but he had a monster playoff and was a big reason why the Caps won the Cup, so... I guess I will take um, Holpe uh, in the second spot uh, for that reason. Uh, Vasilevsky uh, had an awesome year. Connor Hellebuck had an awesome year. Um, but I, I'm I'm left here sitting thinking: Is Jonathan Quick uh, a top three goalie in this scenario? Because when you look at what the NHL's website said, he had 33 wins last season. The sixth time he's won at least that many games in the past eight full NHL seasons. In the past five, he has had a goals against average worse than 2.26 just once, and that was last season was 2.40. His save percentage has not been worse than 9.15, which was back in 2013-2014. Um... Maybe the fact, though, that he has a top-four defense that's one of the best in the league kind of hurts his individual ranking because Vasilevsky and Hellebuck didn't have a certain level of security that Quick had. They had little room for error compared to Jonathan, and Officer Bobrovsky, you could definitely make that same case for him. Um, So I think Jonathan's got the track record to be a top-three goalie on this list, but the circumstances sadly do not play into his favor. The other thing that kind of concerns me about this list is just the fact that we have so many new goalies, like goalies with breakout seasons. Because if you look at the list, six of the top ten on this year's list were not on the list last year. Three of those six names had a breakout season. Uh, That would be Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, and Gibson. You're leaving guys like Carey Price, Matt Murray, Martin Jones, Devin Dubnik off of this year's list. And I know Price and Murray weren't the best last year. But if you look at Devin Dubnik, he was outside the top 10 for most shots faced on the year. His GAA was better than Vasilevsky's. And his save percentage was .002 lower than Vasilevsky's as well. And we've talked about how kind of a mixed bag a goalie uh, can be. 
you know, the highs and the lows and goalie fatigue and all that stuff. Uh, and we've mentioned it on more than one occasion, how goalies are paid, um, their ice time, how that impacts their play, etc. But if you ask me if I like this year's list better than last year's, I would say yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a good answer. I, I I do love that they included Tuka Rask in the list. He finally gets some recognition. Yeah. Um, so I have that. I do agree with you that I feel like Braden Holpe was a little bit too high. This was his uh, worst season this year. He kind of like, I feel like if the Capitals didn't win in the playoff, you know, didn't win the cup, I feel like Holpe may not even have been included because you know, Grubauer had to basically bail him out towards the end of the season there because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Holpe had gotten fatigued. Um, I felt the same way about Vasilevsky, too, because he, um, you know, he, he, had a, he started the season really well, but then, you know, then towards the end of the season, you know, he didn't, he wasn't that good. Um, so there is that concern there. But you kind of do bring up to a bigger point here that, like, Bobrovsky and Holtby versus Vasilevsky and Hellebuck, they both have, you know, Vasilevsky and Hellebuck are both, have only had one year where they've been the starter. Yeah, top ten worthy year, exactly. exactly. And they've been really good versus Bobrovsky and Holtby where they have been more, they've been proven to be more consistent. So I think, and they've done it for years yeah. uh, before this, like at least three, maybe right. four even. So I do think that Holtby was too high and Hellebuck should be there. I I think it should go Bobrovsky, Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, Holtby. But at the same time, given that in mind, I, I, you can make a strong case for Holtby there um, in that sense. Um, I also, I felt like, Gibson was picked uh, in the tenth spot here, but I feel like he is better than Quick, Flurry, Rene, Rask, Anderson. Even uh, Freddie Anderson was also a little bit too low too. Um, so I I thought I feel like maybe not top five, but or, or Gibson should be the fifth guy because um, he was the main reason why the Ducks were even in the playoffs. Um, to begin with, they had all these injuries and Gibson basically willed them into the playoffs. Um, and like, same with Freddie Anderson, he's, you know, they're for all the troubles that Freddie, you know, the Maple Leafs have in the defensive side of things. Um, although it is a little underrated, I guess, but, um, you know, Freddie Anderson was unbelievable. He gets all these saves and everything. So I felt like those guys maybe should be ahead of Fleury and Rene. Um, not to discredit what Fleury and Rene did this year, but um, I feel like those two, Gibson and Anderson, had to deal with less than what Rene and Fleury and um, and even Rask had to deal with. Um, and quick. So all, all, all four of those, um, I feel like Anderson and Gibson had to deal with um, a lot harder defensemen. Although I guess Flurry with Vegas, you know, their defensemen aren't that great. But in, you know, Nashville, you have such, um, you have, uh, I almost said Seth Jones. Uh, you have uh, P.K. Subban, you have Roman Yossi, you have Ryan Ellis. So you have a lot of defensemen ahead of you. Um, you know, Rask, 
for the Bruins, you have McAvoy now, Krug, uh, Chara even. So, you know, you have those guys quick. You have Dowdy in there, Muzzin. So those guys, and then I guess, you know, so I feel like, but whereas, like, the Ducks and the Maple Leafs have, Morgan Riley's good and Jake Gardner's good, but they're not great defensively. Um, so I feel like Anderson has to put in more effort that way. And the same for uh, the Ducks, even though, you know, Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler are fine, but um, I don't know. <laughs> they're kind of different than all the other defensemen I just mentioned. Yeah, I guess you could you could make a strong case as to why uh, Anderson uh, should be ranked higher and Gibson should be ranked higher. But again, with Gibson, you, you look at the fact that he was he was hurt for a time last year, and Ryan Miller stepped in and played some great yeah, hockey. So I, I'd kind of like to see what he would do this year before I'd rank him higher than that. Regarding Frederick Anderson, you're right. Like that. He has absolutely been sensational. Like yeah. I took a look at the most shots faced by NHL goalies since the start of the 2010-2011 season. And he appears on that list twice. Yep. Last year, he faced 2,051 shots. Tenth most faced by an NHL goalie over the past eight seasons. And by that, last year, I mean 2016-2017. So that was his first year at the Leafs. Yep. This past year, he faced 2,211 shots stopped 2029 of them. The only other guy that faced more shots during this stretch of time was Cam Ward in 2010-2011 when he faced over 2300. Yeah. And Anderson's save percentage was still just outside of 920, which for a guy who had a 2.81 goals against average is stellar. But the thing that hurt Anderson on this list is that he didn't start off well in the regular season. He didn't end well in the regular season. Yep. He had a monster time in, in, in the middle of all that where he was probably a top five goalie in the league easily. So sure. I think in order for Anderson to be a top five goalie, if he has one solid year consistently throughout and can put up um, maybe a better goals against average um, and, and maybe have a better Leafs team play in front of him, I think he could be a top five goalie next year or even the year after that. He's got top five goalie potential for sure. But right now, I like Frederick Anderson where he is on this list. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I, mean, I guess that is a good point in terms of... But, I mean, like, you can say the same for all these guys. All, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a weird time for all these goalies in terms of, like... Because Fleury and Gibson were injured for most of the year. Um, yeah. You know, uh Rene uh, Vasilevsky and Holpe all struggled towards the end of there. Bobrovsky wasn't really the same as he was. Hellebuck was really the only consistent one this season, but he hasn't been consistent at all. You know, <laughs> like this was by far his best season, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So, uh, you know, Rask had his moments um, uh, to begin the season. So... Yeah, so I feel like you could say the same for everyone. Um, as for snubs, um, it is kind of... I, I do like this top 10, but I feel like I wanted to list some uh, goalies that um, might be included um, if they have a nice year. Uh, they have the best chance of doing it. Uh, Antti Ranta was one of them. Um, I just wanted to mention, because I know that he, he was, speaking of injuries... 
Um, but when he was healthy, you know, he had um, he still had a nine thirty save percentage. Um, if if he was, yeah. if we're talking about second half, yeah, he's up there. Right. If we're talking and, second half, he's up there. The entire yeah. year, no. Second exactly. half, yes, for sure. And so, and I get it from that perspective. It's like, um, you know, like he, he has to be more. Um, you know, there is that injury risk, so I get it. And you know, the the Coyotes were one of the worst teams, but he was one of the reasons why the, they had a great second half. So yeah, they they really started um, to turn around. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So I, and a lot of it had to do with Ranta's play. Yeah, so I feel absolutely. like. So I feel like uh, Ranta is the uh, guy um, if you wanted uh, to, um, you know, he'll probably be up there uh, next season if he has, assuming he's healthy um, and all that. Um, and then um, Lundqvist and Price, I feel like those two you can't really ever count out because they're they're on another level where like they're they're almost Hall of Fame worthy in a way because it's like. All right, like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, I know that they're older and they didn't have a great year last year, but it's, like, it's just so hard to, like, say, like, oh, they're they're going to be bad again this year uh, or versus what their standards are. So um, so I think I, I would consider those two. Um, and then lastly, you mentioned it before, but uh, Devin Dubnik, I think, uh, should be included. I think that's the only one where I feel like Maybe you could make a case for. Um, yeah. Also, like Cam Talbot, maybe. Martin Jones could have a bounce back as well. Um, so a couple of those guys. Um, maybe Jake Allen, but I don't really have too much faith in Jake Allen either. But, yeah, uh, uh, I think Jake Allen is... Uh, on, honestly, he just needs to play good. He does. He doesn't need to be a top ten goalie. He just needs to be consistent for his team. But if he can be a top ten goalie, that's even better. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, let's go to defensemen. Um, I, I assume you don't have any other snubs, right? No. Okay. Um, so we're uh, okay. So let's do defensemen. The top ten are uh, Head, Victor Hedman, Drew Doughty, your boy Eric Carlson, uh, yep. Brent Burns, uh, P.K. Subban, Seth Jones, Roman Yossi, uh, John Carlson, Petrangelo, and the ten spot is John Klingberg. Um, I guess since you did the top, you, you did the too high, too low, uh, this time I'll do... Uh, the defense, the, this, I'll speak first. Yeah, um, that's only fair. Um, the, I didn't have too much on this list in particular. Um, Hedman definitely proved this year that he is one of the best in the league um, and all that. Um, and also, Drew, like Drew Doughty and Eric Carlson. I understand Eric Carlson had a, had a bad year. But he was also injured a lot, so I can understand moving him to three um, instead. And same with Bur- oh, Burns, also had a great year too. But um, I can understand moving him to four. The only issue I have with this top ten list is I feel like PK Subban and Roman Yossi should switch places. I feel like Roman Yossi is a little bit better than Subban, um, just a little bit. Um, 
And, uh, I mean, Seth Jones also deserves credit, so I like him at six. But I feel like I should I would move Yossi at five, Subban at seven. Um, and then the only one that I feel like was a little bit too high was Ryan Suter um, and Latang. But then that, you know, those guys were, uh, Latang was 13th and uh, Suter was 14th. And I think maybe it just had to do with injuries and stuff. So I feel like for Suter, I feel like, I, I don't know, I wanted to see a little bit more of him, out of him, um, if, if you're going to put him at 14 there. Um, and Latang, he was one of the main reasons why the Penguins lost in the playoffs. Um, and you know he was he wasn't really that good. I know he, you know he has injury history and all that, and he was pretty healthy this year. But it seems like he should be he shouldn't be included there. Um, yeah, but like other than that, I feel like I I'm fine with this list. Um, I am happy that Krug got 16th. And Charlie McAvoy got some mention at 19. Um, although I don't know. McAvoy, I love McAvoy, don't get me wrong. But I'm not sure if he's necessarily top 20 per se. But I, I do love him. So um, <laughs> so there there is that aspect of things. Um, what is your assessment? Well, um, let's, let's start off with Victor Hedman being the number one defenseman. Um, First of all, he won the Norris Trophy last year. Finished the year with 17 goals, tied for uh, the NHL lead amongst defensemen with Provorov and Hamilton. 63 points on the air, top five score amongst NHL defensemen, plus 32 rating, second best in the league. Uh, Average 25 minutes, 51 seconds of ice time per game, fifth in the league. Personal best, 216 shots on goal. And the year before that, he got 16 goals and 72 points, and he did so with 50 less shots on goal, scored at least 10 goals in five straight campaigns. Half of his power play points have come over the last two years as well. He had 33 in 2016, 2017, 26 last year. You get the point. Victor Hedman deserves to be the best defenseman in the league. I, I don't think we're in disagreement uh, on that front. So I think he's earned his place there. Now, the whole P.K. Subban, Ryan Ells debate. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think Roman Yossi should be ranked higher than P.K. Subban. Yeah. But I have a very good reason why he's not. It all comes down to popularity. Because you look at a guy like Roman Yossi, who leads the team in block shots, leads the team in time, uh, average time on ice per game, but when it comes to marketing, you see P.K. Subban everywhere. You know, he's dating Lindsey Vaughn. He's a fashion icon. He's doing all these kids' camps and all that. Everywhere P.K. Subban goes, he generates attention. Roman Yossi is just this nice, chill dude who doesn't generate that much attention towards himself. And that's why he's not a top-five defenseman. Because when you are like a top-five, top-ten player at every position, I look at you and I'm going, okay, what's your marketing capability? Because when you're talking about marketing capability, who's going to put bumps in the seats? Who's going to sell merchandise? Like, I'm sure Roman Yossi sells a lot of jerseys in Nashville. But outside of Nashville, how much is he selling compared to P.K. Subban? I think just based on marketing alone, based on popularity alone, P.K. Subban is a top five defenseman over Roman Yossi. I 
don't necessarily agree that Roman Yossi is ranked lower than P.K. Subban, but I can understand probably why Subban is in the top five over him. So that's that's my I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, but. I get that. I, I I kind of agree with it. I think it is a little tough though because I feel like I don't know. I feel like they're kind of like what like one A and one B in a way. Like you can like like if if Yos, let's say Yossi gets injured, then I feel like PK Subban could be fine with taking the load and vice versa. Um, so I, like, I feel like that's why they work so well. Having said that, you did mention that, um, Yossi, uh, shoots a lot more, um, and he also blocks a lot of more shots, but P.K. Subban also hits a little bit more, um, and it's not like, you know, P.K. Subban also has 90 blocks, so that's not nothing, um, in anything, but... You know, and, and P.K. Subban also helps out on the power play a little bit more. So, that, you know, I feel like you could, and, you know, he's he has he had 16 goals versus 14 goals for Yo- Roman Yossi. However, I'm just seeing this here that Yossi only played 75 games, whereas Subban played 82 games. So, um, so I think there is some aspect in that where, um, where, like, I feel like, it's not like a huge difference between each other. I would rather have Yossi in it, and obviously you do too, but I don't know. Um, another one that I kind of forgot to mention here, but I, uh, Ghost Bear was 17 um, here. I feel like he should... I'm not sure if he... Maybe he's a little bit better than Klingberg, but um, I feel like Ghost Bear or Pedrangelo, um, maybe even Carlson, but... I feel like Ghost Bear should be up there in the top 10, um, but not like, but below Subban, Yossi, and Seth Jones. Um, but yeah, and I think Carlson's an interesting case here too, because it's not like, he didn't, like this was his first like really good year. Um, you know, he's always been okay, but this was his first year. Like remember last, like uh, two years ago, they had to get, the Capitals had to get Shattenkirk because they weren't sure if Carlson was going to be the guy. Um, so, um, so he's one of those ones where it's like I want to see more out of him before I put him in the top ten. There. Um, well, speaking of uh, guys you want to see more of, do you think Seth Jones was ranked too high? Because I think he was. You know, I no, I don't know. I th- I mean, I do know. I guess I kind of repeated myself. Um, or put myself in a hole because he's also another guy who had a great season, but I feel like he has more potential than John Carlson did. Um, well, so. true, but John Carlson's got the track record, though. He also led the NHL uh, in points amongst defensemen, also got a whopping 32 power play points. He's the power play catalyst yep. of that team, just won a Stanley Cup. 20 playoff points last year as well. And even further than that, you look at guys like Petrangelo, who's a more complete guy than Seth Jones. He got 54 points last year. He scored at least 40 on six occasions. And then you have John Klingberg, who got a career-low eight goals last year, but he still piled up at least 40 points for a four-straight year. And he also had an 80-shot jump in shots on goal compared to last year, too. So... 
you're putting Seth Jones over guys like Carlson, guys like Petrangelo, guys like John Klingberg. And I'm thinking, look, I know Seth Jones had a great year and the, the season before was also pretty good, but I I don't think he's got the track record yet to be ranked higher than those guys. I don't know. That's I think I disagree with you there. I feel like... I feel like on this case... Hey, finally, we disagree on something. It's I know, been a while. finally, finally. I, <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're saying in terms of, like, track record versus, like, what Carlson has done, what has uh, Petrangelo has done in Klingberg. But on the other hand, I feel like Seth Jones is on a worser, worser team. A, yeah. Uh, on a like the team that he's on isn't as good as the Capitals, isn't as good as the Blues. Um, maybe the it's it isn't as good as the Stars, but like so there there that that's the aspect there where I feel like you have to take it for like of course Carl like if you put Carlson where peak Seth Jones John Carlson is, just to specify because there are two Carlsons here right, spelled right, right, differently, course, but you course. know they, right. they're probably gonna. There, we I, might confuse the two. You're so right. John I should, have, Carlson, I yeah. should have clarified. If you put uh, John, no, I didn't. I didn't clarify either. So I, yeah, yeah. I'm, no, you're right. I'm going this as well. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, oh, it's Carlson with a C. That of course yeah, everyone yeah. knows who I'm Carlson talking about. Carlson with a C. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Carlson with a C. He <laughs> like if you put him on on Columbus, like you like like let's say they trade Seth Jones and Carlson. I feel okay. like Carl, like Seth Jones, would be really good in Washington, but I don't know how much that would be attributed to Ovechkin, Backstrom, you know, all those Kuznetsov, all those guys also on the team, uh, versus where Seth Jones, like all he has is Panarin um, and Wierenski. so so that there is that difference. Um, yeah, true. So the I, caps I, are definitely more loaded yeah. than that. And, and even still, like, Seth Jones shoots more, just a little bit more. Um, he also uh, blocks, oh, no, I guess he doesn't block more, but um, he, he does have more goals instead. Um, you know, and he, and he uh, played in a little bit less games than him, and he had virtually this similar statistics. So, um, and he's also 22 years old, which is uh, kind of crazy, too. So... Um, I don't know, I, or 23, uh, but, so I don't know, I, I, I think Seth Johns is good at that spot, um, but I do understand what you're saying. Um, a couple of uh, other points, if you don't mind, before uh, we get to, like, snubs and stuff like sure. that. The one thing I will say for the rest of this list is that the youth are taking over. We yeah. uh, already alluded to the fact that Charlie McAvoy, your boy, yep. making the top 20 this year, Zach Rowensky is also in the top uh He's 12. I think he was ranked 12th. Yep. Uh, and, and McAvoy was in the top 20th. I think I said top 10. He's 19, yeah. But yeah, he made he made the list. He made the list. Which is and so Tory Krug finally made the list too, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, Krug, Krug made the list as well. I, I, made, so, I made a stink about that last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. There was another name. Um, I think we should also get used to the fact that guys like Dustin Bufflin, guys like Ryan Suter, guys like Chris Letang might not be on this list much longer. Yeah. Um, in Dustin Bufflin's case... He's known for scoring points and scoring monster hits. And his highest mark with the Jets came in 2015-16 when he had 222 hits, the fourth most by any Jets player since the team returned to Winnipeg. 
Uh, and he also had over 200 hits in the two seasons before that season. But in each of the last two years, he hasn't hit the 200 hit mark. And last year in 69 games, he had 147 hits. And so while he's recorded at least 40 points in seven straight campaigns, and he has a handful of 50-point seasons to his name as well, and he got 16 playoff points last year too, at the end of the day, wear and tear is going to catch up with you at some point. And I think we're starting to see that with Ryan Suter as well. He's been an ice-time machine throughout his career, but he had that late-season injury last year, and, you know, they're they're, – being very cautious in Minnesota of how they approach the recovery this year. Maybe we see an offensive regression or an ice time regression in his game. If it's not this year, maybe it's the year after. We all know the injury history of Chris Letang as well, and he's 31 years old. And if if you're thinking, well, you, you might you, you might be wrong on that point, Steve. Shea Weber is not a top 20 defenseman right now. And he spent most of last year on the injured reserve. Duncan Keith wasn't the same last year either. Both guys over their careers have been top 20 defensemen. Yep. And both guys aren't on this list this year. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, that, that's a good leadway to the snubs because I feel like Shannon Kirk is another one, although he yeah. was injured for most of the year. Um, and even when he was healthy, he wasn't great. But I feel like he should at least have some mention here. Um, but I understand why they snubbed him, uh, just for the similar reason as Weber. Keith, I didn't even have as a snub. That just shows how much I had. Um, the two biggest omissions I have for this list, though, um, Morgan Riley, um, he should be there. Um, at least maybe 20, um, maybe better than Dougie Hamilton. Um, and I already mentioned McAvoy as much as I love him. As a Bruin, I feel like he's not there yet. He might be there next year um, if he has a good year, but I feel like it's a little bit too soon for him. Um, Morgan Riley is the biggest omission, I feel like. Um, And uh, Matt Dumba was another one, although I understand why they didn't put him there. Um, Aaron Ekblad, same reason. I feel like he deserves some credit, as well as Keith Yandel. Um, Yandel kind of had a low-key, really good season this year. Um, I believe he had, like, 40 points this year as a defenseman. Um, let me just double-check that. Uh, oh, no, he had 56 points last year. Um, eight goals, 48 assists. Uh, for so, the yeah, either way, a low-key, great season. I know. <laughs> you had a better season, and I put him as a snub there. So, uh, so Yandel was another one where I thought, like, all right, he's he's underrated, but, like, not that underrated. Or, or you should get at least some some credit for uh, for his great season there. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can make a solid case for, for other guys to why yeah. they should be in there, too. Especially with Varensky ranking as, uh, as high as he was, like 12th. Yeah. yeah maybe a little bit too high. Yeah, and Ryan Ellis at number 20. Ryan Ellis, I mentioned this last year. I'm pretty certain Ryan Ellis is still ranked too low on this list. But. Yeah, you love him. Uh, as <laughs> evident that I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of Ryan Ellis. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, uh, so Shannon Kirk, Matt Dumbo was another one, although I understand why maybe yeah. um, Spurgeon as well, with the same kind of thing. 
um, Ekblad, Yandel, I already mentioned, Shea Weber, you mentioned. Oh, and the last one, and that I kind of, I feel like he's going to make it next year, um, is Ivan Provorov um, of Philadelphia. Yeah, he could be a, he could be a talent to watch, um, too, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm in a dynasty league right now um, that counts uh-huh. hits and blocks. And I was just looking here. So this guy is uh, 20 years old, I believe. Uh, no, he's 21 years old. He has he had 155 hits, 181 blocks, uh, 210 shots on goal, and uh, still like 44 points, um, 11 or more goals. So, uh, so like if he keeps that up, he's like he should be. He's like that's like really good. Um, especially in a fantasy setting. So, um, and I just imagine how you would be in like a regular setting. So I think Provorov is one of the ones that uh, should be up there um, next year um, if he has another great season. Um, all right, let's go to, uh, I feel like, uh, all right, we're going to tw- top 20 centers now. Unless you have any other snubs. Nope. Okay. Uh, so number one, of course, is a uh, big shocker here, Mc- Connor McDavid. Uh, number two, uh, also kind of a big shocker here, not really, uh, Sidney Crosby. Three is Evgeny Malkin. Four is Austin Matthews. Five is uh, Nathan McKinnon. Six is Anze Kopitar, or Anze Kopitar. Uh, seven is Mark Scheifele. Eight is my boy, Patrice Bergeron. Nine is Tyler Sagan. Ten is John Tavares. Um, so, yeah, now it's your turn to say if there were any that were too high or any that were too low. All right. Well, um, you, you, you look at the top three. Honestly, it's as simple as this. McDavid's slightly better than Crosby. Crosby can't be lower than Malkin. So I have no, I have no problem with the top three whatsoever. Austin Matthews and... Being ranked at number three is kind of sketchy for me right now because I know he had 40 goals in his rookie year, 34 goals in a sophomore season where he only played 62 games, was still a point-per-game player, still did pretty good on the takeaway front, ended the year on a 10-game point streak, but there's still a lot of growing pains for him in the playoffs. Like with, with any promising player, you know, he still has a lot to learn. Um... But I think the reason he's a top three guy is just based on hype, not based on proven stats. And I feel like we say that a lot of the time when when a player gets signed to a big contract where you wonder, oh, is he really worth that kind of money? You know, they're basing it on right. hype, right? And it's it's the same thing that's basing Matthews as a top three center in this league. But I'd be hesitant to put him so high because you look at a top three center, you're wondering Okay, what what does he do on the power play? Because you know he's he's gonna spend some time on the on the special teams front. He had thirteen points of the extra man last year. McKinnon had an eighteen point jump with the extra man. He actually had over thirty power play points last year, uh, thirty four to be precise. Um, Matthews had two hundred and seventy nine shots on goal in his rookie year, um, and he had way less in his second year. And even if he played in 20 more games, he would still have finished the campaign with 32 fewer shots than his rookie year, even if he played a full season. 
And I, I, I would even put Mark Shifley slightly ahead of Austin Matthews because um, of Shifley's shooting percentage. He right. has posted a shooting percentage of 20 and 18.4 over the past two years, respectively. And even though Matthews has 19 more goals than Shifley over the past two years, like I said, Mark has had the better shooting percentage uh, in both of those campaigns. And, of course, you have Kopitar, who uh, was an absolute beast last year. So I think Matthews as a top three center in the league right now is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I think this has kind of a similar reason why P.K. Subban was too high. Um, yeah, marketing. Just yeah, just in terms of person, uh, I don't even know. Well, Matthews kind of has a little bit of a personality, but just in terms of um, hype and and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you though. I think Matthews is a little bit too high um, here, but I don't I don't know if he's necessarily like in the top ten. I think he's in the top ten. Uh, just number yeah. four, I think, is a little bit too high. I agree with that. Yeah, you think outside the top five, like maybe six or seven? Yeah, I mean, it's so tough because all these centers that we list... There's a little separating them, I know, yeah. Exactly, so I feel like it's tough there. I mean, in terms of actual, like, potential, Matthews is up there with McDavid. Um, Totally, I agree with that. But in terms of, like, right now, I don't know. I I think it's a little bit tough to say that. Yeah. yeah, and um, I don't know, oh, were you done, or I don't know if I cut you off or well, not? Well, <laughs> um, I'll have some words, um, well, uh, no, no, actually, uh, well, there, there are a couple of other names uh, that i like to mention, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Matthews situation. Sure. Uh, McKinnon, I definitely think he's got top five potential, I don't know if it's right now. But he's well, definitely I mean, got the potential to, to be a top five moving forward. He was What's interesting. He was top uh, five this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I mean for years and years to come. I think if, right, he I guess that's continue, than you. if he can continue this this kind of pace, I definitely think he can be a regular top five center. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's true. To, to be fair, he had an awesome season, like on all fronts, like in yeah. a career year. So it'll be interesting to see how he tops that. What's even going to be more interesting is what another bounce-back candidate was able to do last year. Both Kopitar and McKinnon, I believe, were were, uh, in the conversation, at least, for uh, the Hart Trophy. And and Kopitar won the Selkie last year. I mean, you look at the numbers that he put up. He had uh, a 40-point jump, went from 52 to 92 points. He was a 30-goal scorer after scoring 12 goals. and face-off percentage-wise, he's pretty good. It was uh, over 54% last year, the same as Austin Matthews. Right. So uh, I, I think Kopitar should have been ranked a bit higher. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Shifley can do. I, I like his stats, but I still think he's got some work to do uh, before he gets ranked any higher. The guy that probably doesn't get as much attention, though, is your boy Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I, I was mean, about to mention him. You, you look at, I know he's not the best offensively gifted player of this group, but he still managed to score over 30 goals and 60 points in three of the past five years. Yep. On three times in his career, he's posted um, a, um, 
a face-off win percentage over 60%, which is insane. And when you look at Kopitar's uh, success rate in the face-off dot last year was 54.13%. You compare it to Bergeron's worst since the 08-09 season, which was 08-09. That was 54.54%. So Kopitar's career best was worse than Bergeron's worst. And Bergeron is just in the top 10. Not to mention Bergeron had 63 points in 64 games last year. Um, So he was almost a point per game. And he did well in the playoffs too. And he did well in the playoffs too, exactly. So... Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Patrice Bergeron, he's also like a future Hall of Famer with how many Selkies he has. He, you know, so you also have to add that element if you're talking about center specifically, because you know he's the what he's the best face-off guy, um, at least nowadays. Um, it's hard to compare eras, I guess, but you know he's up there with the like, all-time best. Um, in terms of face-offs. So just from that added element, it's like it makes sense that uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, should be a little bit higher. Um, but having said that, like I, feel like I feel like the only two that Bergeron could move up against is Matthews and Shifley. Um, I don't... Because you were mentioning this before, Kopitar was good, like, you know, was really good last year, and he won, He outbeat um, Bergeron in the Selkie as well. So there is that aspect of things. Um, but I, I don't see how Bergeron is better than Malkin, Crosby, and, of course, better than McDavid. So, um, But he is definitely better than Matthews and Shifley is. So, um, so I, it, I, I think I have him at most at six, um, even though he was ranked eighth. Um, other guys that I feel like, uh, could, um, could be, uh, should be up there, but we're actually picked in the teens. Um, uh, Alexander Barkov had a breakout year this year. Um, he was one of the best players, um, in the league, um, even still. And, uh, you know, and he's only 22 years old. Um, he had 114 yeah. shot jump in a year. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was, you know, like the past years he was just injured a lot. Yeah. Um, so, like, he had those things. And now, he, you know, he played 79 games. He had 78 points. Uh, that's pretty good. So, um, I, I think I think Barkov should be up, bounce up there um, if he has another great season like that. Um, he also took the fifth most face-offs and finished fourth yeah. in Selkie voting. So if that doesn't say something, I don't know what does. Um, and then another guy who I feel like um, will be up there if he has another if he has a healthy season um, is Jack Eichel. Um, yeah. Jack Eichel had he had a low key one of the a really good season, uh, sixty four points in sixty seven games. I know he was injured at the beginning of the year, and that's really why he was. Um, you know, that's why he was like that, but, or maybe, like, people just didn't realize, and I guess he is unfairly compared to guys like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, um, and I don't necessarily think that's fair, because 
Well, for McDavid, he's like you can't really compare him to anyone other than maybe Crosby or like even Wayne Gretzky. Um, so that's unfair. It just so happens that they were the same draft year. And then Austin Matthews, I guess, is more of like the American center situation. So I guess that is a better um, a better uh, comparison. But even still, like I I I don't know. I feel like Austin Matthews was hyped way more than Eichel was um, in his draft year. So it's a little bit unfair too. But I don't know. And also Matthews plays on a better team. Um, and uh, but I think Eichel will be up there. Um, but that is assuming that the Sabers get better. Uh, the bigger year. question will be what he does when he plays top line minutes, right. because they have Ryan O'Reilly as the top line center. I'm pretty sure during the majority of the time that he was in Buffalo. So yeah. now that he's gone, it'll be interesting to see what Eichel does when he's actually playing top line minutes True. when he gets more power play time. Yeah, and in that perspective, I can understand why they have him at 15 instead of yeah. um, higher up. So. Uh, from that perspective, I think that's the case. Uh, Kuznetsov is another one who I feel like should be making it up there. Um, William Carlson was an interesting one, even at 17. I know he had a 40 goal yeah. season, but um, that may be a little bit too high. Even still, I want to see a little bit more of him, but I guess kudos for having a great season. Same for Matthew Barzal as well. There are question marks. Um, still, now that Tavares is gone, how is he gonna, you know, do, do like, how is he gonna, uh, align with top pairing guys? Um, because, you know, T- Tavares usually had the tough, tougher opponents to face against in terms of line arrangements. So now that Barzal is the guy there, how is he going to perform? And that I'm not sh- necessarily sure. Yeah, I would. I would honestly make. I would honestly make a case why both of them should even be on the bubble, like not even on this list at all. Like I know yeah. Barzal had a bunch of five point games last year. Um, yep, yeah, you know, too. eighty plus points for a rookie is great, but it's one season. William Carlson, forty goals. Hey, that's great, but it's one season. You look at guys like Sean Monahan, thirty goal scoring machine. Um, been known to score a bunch of game winners too. Same with Braden Point. Braden yeah, Point, Point had a monster year. Both of those guys didn't make the list. Yeah, Point I had here in terms of snubs. Other snubs I have here was uh, Vincent Trocek uh, was yeah. one of them. Uh, Braden Shen, uh, Joe Pavelski, and Michael Back uh, Granlund was another one. Um, but uh, although Pavelski and Granlund, I can understand. Uh, to an extent, because, you know, Granlin doesn't really shoot a ton. Um, but, you know, and he's a little bit unheralded there. And Pavelski's getting a little bit older. Didn't have a great season this year. But Braden Shen, Vincent Trocek, those guys are were pretty underrated this year. And they had both had breakout years. So I feel like those guys should be in there. Braden Point is another one. But, I mean, I think you can make the same case about Point, Trocek, and Shen with William Carlson and Barzal, because they all had breakout, all five of those guys had breakout years this year. So it's it's tough to say, like, um, that one should be heralded over the other cause, um, because of that. So um, I think uh, 
there there was that. Um, I think uh, Drysdale was ranked a bit too low, like like 20th. shouldn't like be jumped just outside the top ten, kind of. Yeah, Drysdale was uh, ranked, snubbed, but like I I think he was ranked just a bit too low, a couple spots too low. Yeah, like, maybe he had seventy points for a second straight year, and his shooting percentage was identical to Barzal. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I guess because he has McDavid on his team, it's just like, yeah, we should rank Barzal higher than him because the Oilers are probably going to have a better year than the Islanders on paper. Yeah, so. there, there are a lot of good centers, though. I feel like yeah. you can make a case for a lot of these guys. Um, a couple of them, like even Matt Duchesne, I feel like uh, <laughs> could be considered. Uh, Kadri was another one. Dylan Larkin, maybe. Um, Logan Couture wasn't even mentioned. Yeah. Um, there, there are so yeah. many centers. Like you, uh, you could make a pretty decent uh, top thirty list of centers. I think. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Taze, Nico Heischer, maybe um, if he, yeah. you know, um, Brian O'Reilly. Who yeah, we mentioned Brian before. O'Reilly, Bo Horvat. Um, uh, there's a couple of other ones that I was blinking on. Oh, Adam Henrique, um, Derek Stepan. Uh, Paul Stasny is another one. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a couple. Um, but, yeah, I think centers are, like, by far the most, have by far the most depth. Um, yeah, they, they're probably the strongest position in hockey right now, yeah. Yeah. As far as talent. Uh, let's go with, uh, now we go with the top 20 wingers here. Um, we're reaching towards an hour now. Um, oh, actually... We do have some hockey news before we get into the wingers. Uh, oh boy. Speaking of centers, I did mention this, uh, but I feel like it should be mentioned now. Uh, Henrik Zetterberg uh, has not uh, trained at all um, oh, yes. in the training camp, and Blash Hill says that um, with the conditioning that he has, he doesn't see him playing this year. So you kind of you alluded to this last uh, last episode. But uh, I think it seems kind of official now that it seems like Zetterberg's health might be in the way because apparently he can't play with his back. So they, so if they put him in LTIR, there, you know, they have about six million, I think, in cap space now. So they could, you know, so they do have some room then um, if they just move Zetterberg to the LTIR. It's going to suck for them because. Um, you know, Zetterberg is their captain and he is, you know, he's, he's a hall of famer if he does retire and doesn't play a game again. But, um, but like at the same time, it's like you, it's, you have to force yourself to be in the rebuild. Cause you know, you have guys like Larkin, um, as we talked about last week, Mantha is another one, Athanasu, um, we'll see what Zadina can do. Um, so, uh, and maybe, I don't know, Jonathan Bernier can be something. So, um, so yeah, they have, uh, so they, it's kind of like starts their rebuild, but, um, it does stink if Zetterberg is no longer going to be a player in this league anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you did, you did kind of go on a, tangent about this last week, so I don't know if you yeah, have anything to uh, really when, say when you said NHL news, I'm just saying it all, boy. Don't tell uh, me you're also going to trade it. Sorry. 
I just feel like I'm going to be treated where he's just like, we have big arc and yours, I'm just like, oh, I, no. I feel like, I mean, we, we did say that there was going to be no rapid fire, but I felt like I had to include that. Yeah, it, yeah, was, no. it was the biggest yeah, just story this week. There, yeah. yeah. Um, wingers, uh, and I just saw, like, Setterberg's list here. I was like, oh, yeah, I yeah, forgot you should mention this. Um, all right, let's go to the wingers. Uh, top 20 wingers, um, I'm only going to say, yeah, so the uh, top 10 are, so they they put both the right wings and the left wings together. Um, yeah. I can't remember if they did that last year, if they did top 20 left wingers, top I 20 think right they wingers. they did, yeah. But. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, yeah. So number one is Kucherov, not a huge shock there. Number two is Ovechkin. Um Taylor Hall is number three. I remember last year you had a thing where you didn't even think Hall should be in the top 20. Um, you were wrong on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> MVP season will do that to yeah, you. Exactly. Um, Patrick Kane, number four. Brad Marchand, number five. Uh, my my Brad Marchand. Um, heart, heart caliber Brad Marchand, right? Um, <laughs> Hashtag Art Marchand. Hartmanshine, that, that was our thing, right? Uh, Patrick yeah. Laine is number six. Uh, Claude Drew is number seven. Uh, Jamie Benn, number eight. Uh, Blake Wheeler, number nine. And then number ten is uh, Artemi Panarin. Um, yeah, I guess this is... My, it's kind of weird to do this because it's both left wing and right wing, so I feel like it's tough to even make a top 20 list because there are so many wingers out there. But, um, I don't know, I, I kind of like this list. Um, one that I think was a little bit too high was Patrick Kane. Um, I know what he is capable of, but I feel like they were giving him too much credit um, this year. Uh, whereas I feel like Patrick Kane, um, maybe, I, I think he's still top 10, but I feel like he um, he's still not, like, I don't know. It's still not there for me, uh, for him. Um, he did have, I mean, he had 76 points in 82 games, but it's just, I feel like just because he was on the Blackhawks, it's a little bit tough. So I don't know. I, I expect a little bit more out of Patrick Kane. So it's, it's like, it felt like, I think it was more just because he had such a down year for him that it kind of like, even though, you know, 70 points for him is, you know, isn't bad for any player, but I feel like for him, it you know, he could be doing so much better than that. Um, so in that sense, I feel like Patrick Kane um, should be a little bit less. Uh, Claude Giroux was another one that I thought that, I mean, he did have a great season this year, but it's also tough when um, I'm not necessarily sure how much he can uh, sustain it. It is also funny seeing him as a winger now because, you know, that was the big move is that he's a winger um, instead of he used to be a uh, left, you know, he used to, no, now that he's a left wing guy when he used to be a center. Um, so uh, that's the other one, but I don't know. I, I don't, I guess maybe you would also put him in the top 10 still, but I think those two I felt like Maybe a little bit too high. Um, Pasternak, of course, I'm going to say is too low. He should be in the top 10. Um, I think at least better than Panarin, who was 
there. Um, maybe better than Wheeler, but it's it's iffy there. But um, you know, Pasternak was one of the best players in the league this year, um, and there's you know, so I feel like next year he'll probably be there too. But um, but like you know, he had 80 points this year. Um, so if you go by that, you know, it's, <laughs> that's, that's enough to do there. But, um, yeah, so I, th- I feel like Pasternak should be up in the top 10, but at least they included Marshawn. So I'm, I am happy on that front. Other guys that I feel like should, will be there in a couple years, uh, Philip Forsberg, um, and Ricard Raquel, um, they both had pretty good seasons last year, um, but um, and and they they had good seasons even the year before that too. So uh, they're like you know they're like a given for thirty goals every year um, at least. Um, but it is also tough when you have guys like Blake Wheeler, Jamie Ben, uh, Patrick Laine, Tarasenko, Goudreau, Kessel up there. So I can understand why those guys were ranked a little bit lower, but. Uh, Pasternak should be top 10 for sure. That's the only gripe I have, really. <laughs> well, I, I got a couple of points uh, with this top 10, top 20 list. So um, we'll, we'll start with an easy one. Blake Wheeler, I think we can both make a case for why he should be ranked closer to the top five or at least yeah, that's another know, one, yeah. the top 10. Because like, I know Giroux is coming off 102 points. And Jamie Benn's one of the scariest big men to play against in the league. He had 140 hits and 36 goals last year. But we're talking about a guy in Blake Wheeler who got 40 of his career-high 91 points with the extra man. The only guy who had more power play points than him was Phil Kessel. And maybe he doesn't have the track record of a Drew or a Tyler Sagan or a Jamie Benn, but I think he's got enough to be ranked on the same level as the Taylor Hall, who they put in the top three. Right. So, I, I, I would I would make a case for Wheeler uh, being closer to the top five. What Another interesting one is Panarin being ranked one spot higher than Tarasenko. And I can, I, I can honestly go with the NHL on this because if you look at what St. Louis and CBJ had to deal with last year, the Blues missed the playoffs. Tarasenko is going to be a monster piece of their success moving forward. Well, if you look at the main reason why Columbus made the playoffs last year, there's Sergei Bobrovsky defensively, and there's Artemi Panarin offensively. Because if you recall, Cam Atkinson early on struggled like hell to score goals. And you had guys like Anderson, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Oliver Bjorkstrand developing their game, and they, and, yeah. and, and they had good seasons, to be fair. That young trio alone is not going to get you in the playoffs. They needed their top score to light the house on fire. And the big question for Panarin is he's going from a market in Chicago that knows how to develop good players into great players. And now the question is, okay, he doesn't have days. He doesn't have Kane. What's he going to do in Columbus? He responds by getting a career high 55 assists, a career high 228 shots on goal, 27 goals. So three shy of a 30 goal season and a plus 23 rating, which was also a career high. So he had a career year on a team that really relied on goals from their top score. So that is why uh, Panarin over Tarasenko I'm totally okay with. 
Now I get to the point where I think you're probably going to be in venting mode here. I don't know how much longer Brad Marchand is going to be a top five winger. I knew that's where you were going. Yeah, yeah, I went there. But it's not because of his stats, okay? Like, if you look at Brad Marchand's uh, stats over the past five years, he scored at least 24 goals in each of them. At least 30 goals in three straight years. He's recorded 85 points in back-to-back years while playing in 12 fewer games last year, I might add, um, compared to 2016-2017. Uh, and his shooting percentage season by season has been pretty good. The lowest it's been is 13.3%, which is still pretty decent. And even in that lockout-shortened campaign, it was almost at 20%. Yep. So Brad Marchand definitely has that track record. I will definitely give him credit. But here is where Brad Marchand kind of loses my vote in the top five. It all comes down to, like I said in the previous sections, marketing and popularity. That's what I think of a top five player at any position. Because if you look at someone like Patrick Laine, who was ranked uh, a bit lower than Brad Marchand, Laine has recorded 36 and 44 goals respectively. In years one and two of his NHL career, he was a top five goal scorer last year. He's recorded over 200 shots on goal in each of his first two seasons. Shooting percentage on either campaign didn't go below 16%. 20 of his 44 goals last year were power play markers. He had eight game winners as well. Both of these guys are critical pieces to their team's offense. But if you look at Patrick Laine from a marketing standpoint, from a personality standpoint... That's where I tend to lean towards Patrick Laine. This is a guy who plays Fortnite. He likes to interact with fans. He seems like a chill dude the more you get to know him. He's motivated to get better. He takes his work very seriously, as uh, Jets head coach Paul Maurice alluded to uh, quite a few times last year. He's only going to get better. And I'm sure Brad Marchand, the best is yet to come as well. But top five wingers, top five players... You look at someone like Patrick Kane, Taylor Hall, Nikita Kucherov, when you look at their skill level, when you look at their on-ice reputation, I would say it's better than Brad Marchand. When you look at the future of the NHL, you want to inspire them to be like you. Nikita Kucherov is probably inspiring a lot of future Russian talents that want to be like him, that want to be in his shoes, that want to be the best Russian on the planet right now. Taylor Hall, I think, is starting to get more of that popularity. Patrick Kane, we've seen his stick handling videos. They're absolutely insane. The first thing that's probably going to pop up when you think of Brad Marchand is some stupid play that he did. It's just like, hey, guys, how would you like to be Brad Marchand? And then that video pops up, and they're they're just like, huh? Who's this guy? I don't want to be like him. So that's, that's where... That's where Brad Marchand kind of loses popularity as a top five winger. And I should mention that last year's list, he was number three. Yep. So he's fallen two spots already. I Well, I want to uh, – you said that his stats are all there. Um, yeah, like him and Laine, <laughs> stat-wise, they're pretty good. It's I just I from do a wanna, popularity standpoint, I, I think yeah. Laine has the edge. Personally, I, I think I'd – like. If it's five years down the road, yeah, I'd rather have Liney than Marchand. 
But I do want to say mention uh, he had 85 points uh, the last two years. Um, and yep, um, I know. Last year, he, uh, I don't know if you realized, but he got suspended a lot of times, and he was injured yeah. for part of the time. Yeah, so he only might, played 68 games, yeah. so yeah. Uh, he, he, had, he, he had, like, I think he had one of the best point-per-game. I think only, like, McDavid and Kucherov had better point-per-games than him. Yeah, um, that's a fair point. So, on, on that regard, I think, Mar- like, it's not like, I mean, yes, I, of course... And it's also funny that you were saying that Marshawn was too popular. Um, he's probably the most hated guy in the NHL right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking good popularity, though, not bad popularity. Yeah, and he, but he's not even good popularity. Like, he's like he's only popular, he's only good popular with Bruins fans. Well, because yeah. he plays for them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. It's not like he's, like, like everyone else hates him. Yeah. Okay. Which, which I think is not something that you're looking for in a top five winger. You. Oh, want, oh, that that's you your everyone, point. You want everyone to be like you. Like, but how, wait, how many, how many players want to be like Brad Marchand? Right but now? wait, so you're you you knock PK Subban because he's too popular and he's too well liked, and that no, no, you feel no, no, like no, that no, no, no. he was ranked I, higher no, there. But you you don't put the same thing for Brad Marchand, and if that's the case, then. Then PK Subban um, is there on his good merits. Okay, sorry. I'll, I'll I'll just reiterate my point in case it got lost in the shuffle. What my point was is I said here is why PK Subban is ranked higher than Roman Yossi because he's popular. Because he's popular. Yes, he's got that marketing capability that Roman Yossi doesn't have enough. But you of. can't say the reverse for why Marshawn. Is up there. Well, I said it was. A so you want you want part you want Mark you feel like suspended a little bit and people don't like to see that. But but you don't like but that doesn't matter in terms of skill actual skill. Uh, well, yeah, I, I I know, but that's that's what I used to to split them up because like Ty, uh, as far as actual skill. Between Line and Marchand, it's a tie at this point. So the tiebreaker is how much good publicity do they have? And I think Line has more of that than Marchand does. But you did the know, same I thing. I don't know if that. I don't know if I. Did no, no, I, I get. But I'm. Not, I'm just saying though. But Sorry you did the I same did. thing with Subban and Yossi, but you went with Yossi because he. W- was the better player, whereas Marshawn, uh, you chose against yeah, him because he's yeah, not well, popular. I, yeah, I, I I prefer Yossi, but I can understand why they put Subban ahead. Right, because of the popularity. Yeah. Okay. I can. I can Maybe get I that. I did myself a whole night. I don't realize it. <laughs> you, you remember? But I you, guess, uh, but a you, lot more at least that, that's I, kind of my point. It's just like if you're if you're gonna knock Subban for being too popular, you can't knock another guy. You know, okay. for okay, not no, being popular. No, no, I see it. My my brain is half on Mars, <laughs> half on Earth. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, at least that's good. At least we disagree yeah. on something. That's yeah. Well, most... yeah, yeah. That's two things we disagreed on. <laughs> yeah. Today. Our yeah, yeah, yeah. most heated debate. Um, yeah. 
I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. You get triggered by that. <laughs> well, no, I, I feel like I. I mean, I, I can understand it. Like Patrick Laine is better than Marshawn from like a upside potential. I mean, I did just draft Patrick Laine number two in my dynasty league, so yeah. I do love the guy. I'm I'm just saying that like. I feel like right now, if we're doing it right now, yeah, I think Marshawn might be um, better. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I I just I don't th- necessarily think that it's that. I guess it's close. So I, I I'll I'll concede your point. I could see and line to be A being fair, better. I didn't say Brad Marshawn wasn't going to be wasn't worthy of his top five honor this year. Yeah. I just said down the road. No, and. How and much that, longer is he a top five winner? And that, and that and that is something I can agree with. I, okay, um, so we kind of agree. We kind of disagreed there. Yeah. Okay. I think like five year, three to five years from now. Yeah. yeah, I think Marshawn may not be up there, but yeah, I, I can agree with that. If Lenny has a couple of fifty goal seasons, maybe sooner than that, yeah. but you, you never know. Like like Lenny's shot is is one of the best in the league. Just the release on that shot is absolutely yeah. insane. And, and you mentioned to me uh, off the air that uh, Lightning can hit pretty good as well. Yeah, he has like a uh, – let me pull up that stat here. Um, uh, let's see here. He I think has, it was 154 hits in 155 career games or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that, yeah, that exactly, yeah. 154 yeah. hits, 155 games. That's um, pretty good, almost a hit per good. game. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, all right, uh, going to snubs here. Um, the – most the biggest one I felt like was Mitch Marner. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about Mitch Marner. Actually, um, I know that he had sixty nine points in eighty two games, but I mean, still, like he led the he led the team um, in points. Albeit though, Matthews missed twenty games, but I feel like if yeah. you're gonna put Matthews in the top four centers, like you know, at least put Marner in. I understand he's not top 10, but just put him in the top 20. Um, yeah. And Nylander is the, is the other guy, too, that I feel like yeah, you true. can also make he, a he good He didn't get recognition on either the wingers or yeah. uh, the centers. Yeah. And then in the same uh, on the same team, although now not anymore, but James Van Riemsdyk is also there, too. But I understand yeah. why he wasn't included either. Uh, Clayton Keller will be there uh, if he has another great season again. Um, Thomas Hurdle was another one. Um, I think he counts as a right winger now. I'm not necessarily sure. Um, Anders Lee, um, and Evander Kane were the other two. Anders Lee, I can understand. We don't know necessarily what he's going to do without Tavares, but he was a 40 goal scorer. So, um, uh, that's not, that's nothing to like sneeze at really. Um, to a more mute point, do you think Brock Besser deserved to make it in after his rookie year? Um, yeah, I think so. I I would rather have Clayton Keller as well, but um, because I feel like Keller and Besser are kind of in a similar situation where they're both yeah. wingers, rookie wingers on bad teams, and they you know they're they're giving their fan base hope in a way. So, um, and they're both American, but um. I, that was unintentional, but yeah. So, I I think it. it I don't know. I think Besser kind of makes sense though in that same sense because he was really good when he you know before he got injured. He was like he, he was on pace for forty goals, 
So I, I, I like Besser there at 19. Um, I would think I'd rather have Keller than Arvidsson, but it's close. Um, who's the other one? Oh, Evander Kane is another one. Um, yeah. He, uh, he'll be, um, you know, he had, um, I think he just, you know, had a breakthrough when he got into the Sharks. Um, so, you know, he had 14 points in 17 games on the Sharks. Um, I know that it's not a full season yet in small sample size and all that stuff, but you know, he, he should be up there in the top 20 there. Um, there are a lot of reasons why some of the snubs were included. Like yeah. Anders Lee doesn't have Tavares anymore. Kane was inconsistent in Buffalo. Yeah. Guys like Jonathan Marcheseau, like everyone in Vegas, there's a lot of unknowns there. So I could... I could see why they weren't included in the top 20. Yeah. But I, I put guys like JVR over Victor Arvidsson. Like, I know yeah. Arvidsson is close to averaging 30 goals every year for the past two years, but JVR is, has got, I think, a bigger track record, a bigger sample size than someone like Victor Arvidsson. I guess, you know, yeah. maybe you can make the argument, it's like, oh, well, he, you know, he's, he played on the lease for a number of years, so that probably helped pad his stats a little bit, but... People forget that JVR's ice time was getting more and more limited with the Leafs, and he was mm. still putting up decent points. So I'm I'm make I'm making the case that JVR should be on this list. Too. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and then I I feel like even Miko Rantanen should be a little bit higher. Um, yeah, same. Like he was a twenty goal scorer on home yeah. ice last, and he year. had eighty points this year. <laughs> That's yeah, nuts. five points uh, at home in four yeah. games. Um, and then on that note, I guess you could also make the case for Landeskog too. Um, yeah, but there, there's, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of good depth on the wingers, though. You can make a top thirty list yeah. on this too. It's true. Um, well, I think it's because they combine both left wing and right wing, so it's a little yeah, bit true. Yeah, it's even tougher to do it that way. So, like, I feel like if you did left wings, Landeskog would be there. Um, yeah. And, like, right wings, you would probably have, you know, um, you'd have, a, like, Marner and Nylander and Keller there. So, I think that has a, a factor into there. Um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, that's that's our, our take on all these rankings and stuff. Um, social, uh, let me check first to see if there were, there isn't any... Big hockey news because you did remind me, um, you were, you were worried for a second. So um, yeah, I remember on the last podcast that uh, there may have been rumblings that Vancouver maybe would be in or on Eric Carlson or not. Uh, we'll we'll talk more about the Eric Carlson stuff uh, in the next episode because oh, yeah. you know uh, they're, they're, the trade talks are starting to pick okay. up on a couple of fronts. But yeah, um, yeah and, uh, honestly with. Topics like Eric Carlson, I don't know what to think anymore. Yeah. Just wait. Just I'm not believing anything until I see a trade alert. Yeah, actually, one quick thing before we go: uh, Do you think Phil Kessel was too low or too high? He was ranked 13th. Uh, the fact that he's on the same team as Crosby and Malkin hurts him big time. Yeah, um, but uh, he's definitely a he's definitely in the top 20. That's for sure. But yeah, I I mean if, I don't know. He did have thirty-four. He did have ninety points this year. (laughs) Yeah, and he led the league in power play points. But if you're not going to put Blake Wheeler in the top five, I wouldn't put Kessel in the top five. You know. Yeah, I don't know if he's. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know if he's necessarily top five because this was by far his best year, and he's like thirty. 
But so I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain it. But even still, I feel like he should be in the top ten, maybe. Um, the fact that Jake Gensel also yeah. resurged in the postseason um, yeah, also kind of hurts his value because it's just like, oh, another yeah. offensive force for everyone to worry about, you know? Right. Because, but because like when you got so many offensive weapons to contain, you forget about that one other guy, and right. that one other guy might have a great year. So, but even still, I, I, think, I, I think that's part of the reason why he doesn't get respect. I don't, I don't think I wouldn't necessarily say that's right. Yeah. To Phil Kessel, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm thinking why they put him at low. Yeah, I think, and also uh, Pasternak. I mean, I think Pasternak's better than Kessel at this point. But um, oh, I'll take alert. It's not that hot. <laughs> it's. It's pretty true. Um, but, yeah, I guess I, I, I feel like Pasternak should be in the top ten. That's that's my stance I'm going to take. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, yeah, so it doesn't appear that there's any big hockey news here other than Aaron Dell got some sweet pads, according to our hockey uh, Reddit. So um, there's that. But... Um, yeah, all right, uh, Lace Them Up is on, you can check out our Twitter, Lace Them Up, Lace Up Podcast at Twitter, our uh, Facebook page that we just use to update our web, our episodes is at Lace Them Up, um, you just look it up on Facebook there, um, and uh, yeah, Twitter, Facebook. Oh, but we're on SoundCloud. If you're listening here, we're all, we should be on iTunes. I always forget to check. Um, and uh, that's it, I believe. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 136 of the Lace Em Up podcast.